It's just after 6 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah, what up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. All right, KT, on a big show Monday, PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. It is SportsX Radio, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8, right here, 101.5 FM, on streaming live, of course, on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Producer Mark Hoke in the house, and, of course, the Mark Hoke Show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Sunday mornings, the best in professional wrestling. PSBR Law Studios, Panache, Boyle, Ravaputi, long-time, big-time personal injury attorneys in Southern California. They have branched out. This is year number four here in the Vegas Valley, over $4.5 billion in verdicts and settlements the last five years for their clients. It is strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice. Brian Panish is the, of course, senior partner there and BP, a good friend. Former football player under Coach Sweeney at Fresno State. Back in the day, BP was pretty darn good on the defensive end there, and he does a great job in the courtroom now and, of course, overseeing a lot of those cases there at PSBR Law. So we're lucky to have them here in the Vegas Valley. Jot the number down. May not need it now. May need it in the future. For the best in personal injury, you know the 702 for Vegas, 830-9353, 830-9353, Producer Mark Hoke in the house. Jerry Allen, the voice of the Oregon Ducks, going to join me in about eh, about 17 minutes from now. Looking forward to that. Ducks off the big one against USC. And taking care of business. And meanwhile, Mark Hoke, your Penn State Nittany Lions did not look so good on Saturday. James Franklin's got to go. He's got to go, Ken. He made the same mistake that he did in Ohio against Ohio State. Why would you go for that with about five minutes to go and give Michigan that field position to score that touchdown? They turn around right around, of course, score the next possession and I, I I I don't understand either of the two point conversions. You know, I I don't get it. And Drillar should be better than what he is. There's no question. I'm I'm really I was I don't scream at the TV very much. Ken, if I had a brick, it was bad. I was that annoyed because they were right there with him. And that defense is so good, Ken. They're gonna they'll shut anybody in the country down, but you can't keep making those same bonehead plays or calls, and Franklin's been doing it for years. Yeah, you know, and, the, you know, the office, offense is anemic, though. I mean, really, in the oh, two games no, against Ohio State and Michigan, I mean, they only put up two hundred and thirty-eight yards total. Yeah, no wide receivers. You know, he can't he can't have all the guys there at once. He'll have one year where he's got the wide receivers and he's got the running backs, doesn't have a quarterback. Then he's got a quarterback, but he doesn't have the offensive line. And then one year the linebacking core is off, but the secondary is really good. It, it ugh. They're can you know where they're going to end up in the top ten again? You know that, right? They're going to be in the top ten team, and they're going to sit at home watching everybody be in the playoff again. So you know, Penn State's going to make a decision: Are we happy being like a nine-win team, or nine or ten-win team, and go to a okay bowl, or do we want to be a championship team? And and the the players have been there, so you know, give Michigan credit, played you know, and ran them off the field. I mean, that was ridiculous. 
good. That was that was ridiculous. Without Coach Harbaugh on the sidelines, didn't mm-hmm. need him, and uh, took care of business in a big way. Twenty-four to fifteen is the final. Like you said, Penn State answering a Michigan score that had put them up twenty-four to nine, and uh, you know fourteen to nine at the half. I thought Nittany Lions would have an opportunity getting that second half kickoff, but. Just uh, didn't do anything in the third quarter. Well, put up a goose egg, and that was it. Yeah, and why go for that two point at the end of the at the end of the half? You kick the extra points, fourteen to ten. Right now, all of a sudden, you're down five. So let's say let's say you 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 know Alar didn't have that fumble, and they went down and scored a touchdown. Instead of being up two, they're up or three, they're up two. So Michigan could have won the game with a field goal or taken you know, at least taken the lead, or however it would have worked out. Yep. You know, it doesn't it didn't make any sense. And then when they were down nine. At the end, they went for that two-point conversion again and missed it, game over, instead right. of at least having an opportunity for the defense to stop them again and get the ball back. I, it just it, mind-boggling, Ken. I get it. Analytics, sometimes I just don't understand it. I mean, I get it in key junctures of the game, but I've watched so many games this year where teams end up just chasing point after point after point because they screw up early, go for two, go for two. It's not a walk in the park. That's why... It, they give you two points for it because everybody knows you've got to gain that two yards on one play, and a lot of times they don't come up with it. So uh, we're seeing teams, I mean, they're trying to pull within a field goal at halftime. I get it. You want to uh, have some momentum, but risk and reward. Instead of having the momentum of getting that score there right before the half and then you know going in, with you have that negativity by missing the two-point conversion, and that's what people are thinking about. And then, of course, you've got to chase points the rest of the game, but – Michigan wins it 24-15. to 15. Let's get rolling on a big show Monday, Mark Hoke. Now, the starting five, number one. All right, going to go right to the silver and black state. That's right. The Raiders come up big Sunday night football, take care of business in a big way with a big fourth quarter. Get a major touchdown there and win it 16-12. to 12. We thought it would be a low-scoring game. The Jets' defense, no question, pretty good. And I'll give Zach Wilson credit. He actually played a pretty solid game, not only – did he uh, throw for a lot of yardage? But he also, you know, he rushed. He was the Jets' leading rusher. I got question marks about Brees Hall. I mean, he couldn't do anything against the Raiders' defense. So the Raiders' D stepped up nicely against the run. They get the win, a much-needed win, an ugly win, but sometimes you got to have those. And they get them against the New York Giants and the New York Jets. Back-to-back wins against the two teams from Jersey. That's right. They both play at MetLife Stadium in North Jersey. And they take care of business. So all of a sudden, the Raiders have evened their record up at 5-5. Five and five. Now, big-time test. By week in three weeks, right? Two games before that. At Miami, Miami coming off a bye, and then home against Kansas City. Kansas City had their bye as well, like Miami this week. We will see how it all pans out, but big-time test. Going to Miami against two in the guys, and they are going to be ready because they've had that week off. This is going to be a very difficult game for the Raiders if by chance somehow they pull it off in Miami this team, to me, will be back on play as far as potential to make a postseason bid. Number two. All right, let's go right to UNLV football. How about Barry Odom, what he did? Now, Friday, we got out of here. We had no idea if they were going to win that game or not. We were hoping they'd take care of business against Wyoming. They did in a big way. Barry Odom has the Rebs now at 8-2. and two. Last time they won eight games, 2000. They finished 8-5. and five. Got to go all the way back to 1984. When the team won more than eight games, of course, they had an incredible year. 11-2 and two they finished with the bowl win. Right now, Barry Odom got to be up there as one of the coaches as far as really turning things around. 
And the bad thing is I'm already seeing him on coaches' lists for some of the uh, Power 5 schools, including an SEC team that's already fired their coach. So we're hoping, hoping against hope, that Barry Odom stays here in Vegas because he's done a miraculous job in year number one. By the way, on the Groza list, Jose Pisano, one of the uh, better kickers in the country, and how about Ricky White? He's on the Bolitnikoff Award now on that list. So what an outstanding year he's having as well at wide receiver. Meanwhile, the freshman quarterback from Liberty High School right here in Vegas, Jaden Maeva, fourth time he gets freshman of the week inside the Mountain West. What a job by the Rebs on the football field. Number three. All right, let's stay with the Rebs now and let's go right to some of their other sports. How about Anderson Hunt, number 12, had his number retired at Thomas and Mack on Saturday. Of course, the Reb, running Rebs coming off the uh, tough loss, an embarrassing loss to Southern in their opener. But Coach Kevin Kruger, he had the boys ready. Pretty good Stetson team coming in on Saturday afternoon. But the Rebs take care of business 71-55. to They get the win, they get the cover. But at halftime, number 12, Anderson Hunt from that incredible championship team has his number retired and the Rebs go on to victory. Meanwhile, the Lady Rebs on Friday night, they took out College of Charleston handily by 20 points. Lindy LaRock has the Lady Rebs 2-0. and And the men's soccer team that made it to the finals in the whack. Oh, man, tough one. They lose 2-1 to to Cal Baptist. 82nd minute, the winning goal by the Lancers. And uh, breaks a 1-1 tie. But what an effort by the men. They were looking for their first title in uh, 10 years, I believe it was. But nonetheless, made it all the way to that WAC final. Good, solid effort by several of the teams there on campus. And uh, it's been a lot of fun watching UNLV starting to excel, not just in one sport or two sport, but in almost every sport. They're very, very competitive. Way to go. Let's go, Rebels. Number four. All right, let's go right to VGK. Let's stay in Vegas. How about that 5 nothing whitewash of San Jose? And I told you on Thursday, when San Jose won their second straight, right? Remember the streak? Eight or more, whatever happens, that result. Play it again. San Jose, a plus 320 against Edmonton. Take care of business. They win their second straight. But what did I say? There's no way they're going to beat the Golden Knights at the Fortress. Golden Knights had dropped two in a row. So they're going to be ready. They're going to be waiting. And a 5 nothing shutout big time. Well, today, because VGK starts... Eight out of nine on the road, and their first one on the road will be tomorrow night in the nation's capital against the Washington Capitals. VGK, Stanley Cup champions, they visited the White House today, so they were able to make that trip over there with everything going on in the world. Tight schedule, of course, but you just never know uh, you know, when you're going to have that opportunity, and we're hoping they get to go back next year if they can do it again. But right now, VGK on the East Coast. They'll play five, come home, take on Arizona, and then play three more on the road. But eight of nine on the road. But an honor today going to the White House for the Stanley Cup champion, Vegas Golden Knights. Number five. And let's get it in there. Let's go right to college football. Jim Harbaugh plans to attend a court hearing that will come up on Friday. That's where a judge will hear arguments on whether or not to grant a restraining order that would nullify the Big Big Ten's three-game suspension of the coach. Of course, he served game one, would have been uh, on the sidelines there at Happy Valley. Now, according to the rules that the Big Ten has laid out, Harbaugh is able to be there throughout practices during the week but cannot be there as far as for the game. So we will see Friday trying to get in there before they have to play Maryland on Saturday. And Harbaugh says he'll be there. They've got that game at Maryland, and then, of course, they close out 
against undefeated Ohio State. And that is a look at the starting five. Lots of other things going on in the world of sports. And you heard me talk about uh, an SEC opening as far as college football. And uh, let me just get to that. That's Mississippi State. Uh, They fired head coach Zach Arnett. Remember, Zach Arnett stepped in as the interim coach, and then they made him head coach after the passing, sudden passing of Mike Leach last year there in Starkville. So uh, Arnett is out, and that gives the Bulldogs a chance to get that search party together and see what they can do. Uh, They come off a 51-10 loss to Texas A&M, right? So you're thinking, well, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, good thing he got that win a route like that so he can avoid a similar fate. No, not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. Jimbo Fisher also gone. Why? Texas A&M said, you know what? Can't stick in neutral. First three years, Fisher was solid. Last couple, struggling mightily. And uh, Fisher is out as far as Texas A&M. So that's two openings inside the SEC. And that's where you're already hearing Barry Odom's name. Why? He's also a head coach at Missouri. And then, of course, an assistant there at Arkansas. So he's got that SEC pedigree. It will be tough, I think, for UNLV to retain him because there's going to be a bunch of suitors. But I'm hoping that Coach Odom can see that there is potential to take care of business year in, year out here in the Mountain West. Now, there are going to be, with the expansion of the playoff next year, opportunities for the group of five conferences to get an automatic bid and get to the uh, playoffs. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you might want to take that route. Don't know, because money speaks, right? But there are some coaches that maybe they have enough money and maybe they're building something and they can see something happening. Look, you have Allegiant Stadium, the home of the Raiders. You also have potential to uh, dominate potentially the Mountain West. Now, there is still an opportunity that the two teams left over at the Pac-12, Washington State and Oregon State, that they end up in the Mountain West when it's all said and done, which I think would make it a, a really neat conference because both those teams will fit right in there geographically, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. But we will see what Barry Odom does. But A&M, Jimbo Fisher is out. Mississippi State, Zach Arnett is out. Meanwhile, in the Mountain West, San Diego State, Brady Hoke, former Michigan guy, uh, says that he is going to retire after the season, so he will be out. And then staying in the Mountain West, even though they got a win, Andy Avalos also out at his alma mater at Boise State. So you have some openings already. And uh, we're going to continue to see the gauntlet go down and uh, people trying to make it through unscathed, but it's going to be tough. Even Penn State, they fired Jurkic, their uh, offensive coordinator there after the Michigan game. And, of course, USC got rid of Alex Grinch, their defense coordinator, last week. Brian Ferentz won't return as Iowa's offensive co- coordinator. And that's the coach's son. I'm telling you, it's a tough gig, but you got to be able to uh, – As my dad would say, if you're going to be in the kitchen, you better be able to take the heat. And some of these guys were able to take the heat, and some are falling by the wayside. So we will uh, see how all things pan out. Meanwhile, before we take a break, uh, let me just duck in that Mike Malone, he's on the good side of things. That's right. World champion Denver Nuggets in the NBA. Their coach, Michael Malone, just signed signed uh, an extension that makes him one of the highest-paid coaches in the NBA. So good job by Malone. And that's the thing. What you want to see are teams like the Denver Nuggets where you win the title and you come right out of the gate. And right now they're on an 8-2 and two run to start the season. Same thing with the Golden Knights, right? Win the Stanley Cup, come out 11-2-1 and one out of the gate. 
That's what you want to see, not complacency, not being satisfied with what you did last year, coming back. And again, like a lot of players say, the toughest thing to do is repeat. So you've got to be focused and dialed in. And both those defending champions, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Denver Nuggets, both look focused out of the gate. So we are going to uh, take a break, first break of the night, and come back. Talk with the voice of the Oregon Ducks. He's been doing it for a long time. Jerry Allen connected with him yesterday. Still doing the football. Remember I told you I thought Jerry had walked away. Walked away from the uh, basketball and the baseball and not make it a year-round thing. But he's still calling Ducks football. We'll talk about it. They had a big win at home at Autzen Stadium against Southern Cal, keeping those Pac-12 hopes alive to win the title and go unscathed the rest of the way. I think that would pretty much put them in the 14 playoff. We are live from Vegas, 101.5 FM, Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, PSBR Los Studios, Wednesdays, Meet Me Down at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo. Producer Mark Oak takes us to break live from Vegas. We'll be right back. Yes, those that have that big O all over their trucks and their cars, all over the Vegas Valley. I see you out there, and uh, KT uh, definitely has to pay homage to the Oregon Duck faithful because that is a fun team, and I was fortunate enough to be at that last Pac-12 media conference right here at Resorts World and really enjoyed talking with Bo Nix and uh, Jeffrey Bassa and just a, just a really fun group of, of people, but I'm associated with a lot of folks uh, that are tight with the University of Oregon. Uh, Patrick Klegel, I know here in town, a cameraman got his degree there in Eugene and, and several others, and they are great fans. And Autzen Stadium is one of the greatest home field advantages in the entire country. We know about it here on the West Coast big time, but a lot of those folks on the East Coast have no idea. That's why a lot of those teams will never venture out to Eugene to play a regular season football game. Jerry Allen's been the voice of the Ducks for a long time, got to uh, know Jerry, and I did, uh, as I you know, said a couple of weeks ago, I thought that Jerry had walked away from, you know, calling Oregon Ducks sports, but, you know, he just lightened the load a little bit. No more basketball and baseball, but still time for the old gridiron. And we welcome him in. One of the best in the business. Love hearing the clips, even when I'm listening to different stuff on Sirius XM or on the regular stations and whatnot. And then the next thing you know, there it is. The voice of Jerry Allen and the Oregon Ducks. Jerry, it is great to have you back, SportsX Radio in Vegas. And uh, my goodness, man, this is one heck of a team old Dan Lanning has in his second year there for the Ducks. Uh, KT, it's good to hear your voice again. Yeah, just having fun, enjoying what right now is kind of a wild ride for the Ducks and uh, and the possibilities. We can't get too far ahead of ourselves, but at least – in the discussion for what might be at the end of the year. There you go. And, of course, there's always, as the coaches will say, the trap game. Be careful of the trap game, right? And, of course, that would be in Tempe coming up this week. But I think Dan Lanning's a guy, when I look at some of the uh, footage that comes out of, you know, speeches in the locker room, you know, prior to games or even halftime, this guy is dialed in. He's focused. And the demeanor of a leader on the team, on the field, on the offensive side of the ball, Bo Nix, I would think that these guys understand exactly what's there and what's in front of them as well 
And they have to truly go back to the coach's cliche, one game at a time. And sometimes as players, you're looking at the schedule when it comes out, and you're like, oh, we're good here, we're good here, we're good. And the coach is like, no, one game at a time. That's the way we have to be focused in. And Oregon now, with that one loss at Washington, a game that you and I talked about, in fact, Brad Powers and I talked about it last Thursday, I talked about it on the Friday football fiasco, that Oregon, to me, was the much better team, especially second half there in Seattle. And then everybody I know that Washington, Watch that game, that field goal at the end. I mean, this ball's going like right down the middle. And I, I, I still, you know, at the end, I'm like, that was good, wasn't it? And then it just veered away and I see him go no good. And I mean, oh my goodness, it was tough. The defense played so well in the second half and I thought they were the better team. So I was like, you know, if there's a rematch, it would just, it would be great for the conference to have the Huskies go unblemished and the Ducks with just that one loss with a chance to avenge that loss, that's what I want to see. And it's hard for me to not root for the Oregon State Beavers and Jonathan Smith with the great job he's done. And, of course, after Arizona State, that's where you guys are going to be at, head-to-head with Oregon State. Now, it is at Autzen Stadium there in Eugene. But let's go one game first. Let's talk about the Arizona State game coming up because Kenny Dillingham, a guy you guys know pretty well. Yeah, and Kenny knows Oregon very well, too. In fact, we talked to some of the kids this week about going and playing Arizona State, and uh, and that's what they, they you know they comment on that right away when we said, hey, uh, you know Kenny Dellingham, you know what he's going to do? And he said, they all said almost to a man, yeah, but Kenny knows us, too. So there's nothing gained, nothing lost between the two. I think any, any advantages one has of the other would be canceled out. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, of course, Bourget, a a veteran quarterback there and a hometown product there in Arizona. And, again, they don't have the manpower or the speed that Oregon does. does. But talk to me, Jerry, a little bit about this Duck lineup because I was really concerned after Whittington went down early uh, in the year. You know, Bucky Irving was going to be on his own, but this Jordan James kid has stepped up big time. So that one-two punch, pretty solid. But then we see Irving go out in the SC game on Saturday, and I thought, oh, no, they're going to be down to one back. And you were pleasantly surprised to see him right back on the field. Yeah, very surprised because he wasn't putting any weight at all on that leg, and we really thought it was something serious and and had pretty much written it off, and hopefully he'd get better this week and be ready for Arizona State. And then there was a big running play, I think maybe a 12- or 15-yard pickup, and I saw the zero, and I thought it was Jordan James. and. And Jerry said, no, that's that's Bucky Irving. He's back in the game. And it was a pleasant shock. But I, it speaks to his toughness. Kenny, he is just an unbelievably mentally tough young man. He's 5'10", 195 pounds. But it, it's all blood, sweat, and tears inside of him. And so um, I'm, I guess I shouldn't be shocked that he was able to shake it off and come back in. But Jordan James is a load. He's 5'10", too, but he's about 15, 20 pounds heavier. And and then two freshmen, Jaden Lamar and Dante Dowdell, when they've come in this year, a lot of times when you bring your depth into a team, it's just not the same. Those two guys don't drop off. They're both very quick. Biggest thing they have against them is they're a freshman. But as Dan Lanning says, if you're good enough, you're old enough. So that's why they've been able to play some. There you go. So Bo Nix thrown for over 3,100 yards, 29 touchdowns, just two interceptions. This is a guy – that uh, SEC folks gave up on. You look at uh, what Bo has done on the ground. He's rushed it 38 times. Very 
precise and takes his time and picks and chooses his holes, has five more touchdowns on the ground. Then you have Irving and James. What a combination there. 19 touchdowns on the ground and over 15 yards between the two guys, 1,500 yards between the two guys. Jerry, tell me and everybody out there a little bit about the offensive line because Oregon, very good in the trenches on both sides of the ball, but a lot of times because they do have so much speed in the secondary on defense and you know the skill positions on offense, we don't know who those guys are. Bring us up to date. Well, it, all, it starts up front with the big center. And, and let's be honest, we didn't think Oregon's offensive line was going to be this good this year, losing so many guys. They lost four starters off that offensive line last year and a lot of guys who played significant minutes. So it was going to be a let's wait and see kind of a rebuilding, start the year, slow year. And, and these guys started off like they were veterans. It's Jackson Powers Johnson, JPJ. I mean, he's known as Pancake King out here. Uh, he's the center. He's 6'3", 320. And offensive linemen will tell you, and most of the football team will tell you, the offensive linemen, other than the quarterback, are the, are the smartest guys on the team because they have so many line calls and things they have to do. He's the quarterback of that offensive line. Marcus Harper, the second. Stephen Jones. Stephen Jones, a big duty, 6'5", 340. He's a senior, so a veteran. Josh Connerly, a sophomore, 6'4", 305 on the other side. And then uh, Johnny Cornelius, 6'5", 308, a junior. He's a transfer. He came in from Rhode Island helping right away. They've got some depth too so they're able to to rotate some guys a little bit but they're communicating so well I think that's the biggest surprise is that a lot of times when you got a lot of new guys in that offensive line they're just not all on the same page these guys are all on the same page you know I love that when you can go into the transfer portal and you're a power five team and you go to the FCS level a good solid FCS program Rhode Island but a Johnny Cornelius that is a great find by coach Lanning and his staff oh you know the you can say what you want about the transfer portal because it has changed college football and recruiting in a big way, and, and you kind of wish it wasn't there, but at the same time, when you use it the right way, you really benefit from it. And, and Dan Lanning is a just a master of recruiting. His staff have really done a tremendous job in only his second year of getting the people they need to, to stay where they are and elevate from where they were last year. So it was a big get. All right, so let's talk defense. I got to meet Jeffrey Bassa, linebacker extraordinaire, third on the team in tackles, very solid squad. Uh, Evan Williams, a defensive back, 62 tackles, and uh, Taishim Johnson right there with them. Those two have combined for 115 tackles between them, and then Bassa, uh, an outstanding linebacker. And you can see it because even when he doesn't make the tackle, he's always in the vicinity. He's a very smart player. You can feel it. Talk to me about the defense, the trenches, and then go back to the linebackers and the secondary so everybody's kind of familiar with what they're going to see as this season continues to go down and the Oregon Ducks continue to be a big part of it. Well, one of the big gets was one of those transfers out of South Carolina, Jordan Birch. Uh, Jordan Birch playing a D.N., a rush end. He and Dorless team out on that side with Jeffrey Boss on that side, of course, the linebacker. And then the other side is a true freshman, Batey Oyangalele. Um, 6'5", 270, and he's playing a lot. Marion Winston at 6'4", 255. Casey Rogers, Pope Wambave, Taki Tamani, um, a senior, uh, Keon Ware-Hudson. I, I guess my point is I'm reading name after name after name because they're rotating probably 22 to 24 guys on the defense much fresher legs throughout the ball game. The linebackers, you mentioned Bossa, uh, and then there's a freshman, true freshman, Tatum Tuioti, 6'3", 245, playing a lot. Bryce Betcher, a baseball player, <laughs> wanted to play some football. He's, he's come in and made a major difference, given Oregon depth on that linebacker court. Justin Jacobs, 
uh, transfer from Iowa, wasn't healthy the first part of the year. He's a run stopper. He's played the last two games and made a difference. Mace Funa, and then the back end is really surprising because Kyrie Jackson and, and Tysheem Johnson, a corner and a safety. Tysheem is from Ole Miss, and Kyrie Jackson from Alabama. They transfer in, and they immediately made Oregon secondary one of the best. And you mentioned Evan Williams. His brother Bennett played here last year, and Evan transferred from Fresno State uh, via the portal. So uh, Dan Lanning, just exactly what he wanted in that defense, and they're, they're playing like one of the best defenses in the nation, more like a like a, a SEC defense. Yeah, it is fun to watch this team because they fly to the football. And, you know, there's I, t- I told you, you know, that was something that I noticed, that when there's a play that's strung out to the outside and there's a duck there, there's never a duck there. There's two ducks or three ducks. It just takes a matter of a split second. They are outstanding at flying to the ball and gang tackling. Yeah, they they have really good team speed, and they're very very smart, very intelligent, and and that's coaching. They, the preparation they have during the week gets them ready so that they're really reacting instead of thinking. I mean, this is a team defensively that gives up less than a hundred yards on the ground rushing. You don't hear that much mentioned across the nation. Uh, this defense is good, and when you pair it with the offense led by Bo Nix, if Oregon plays Oregon football, I don't care who they're playing against, they should be okay. Jared. Hoping you take care of business. I'm going to try and make it to the game on Saturday there in Tempe. And if you do that, that sets up the game with Oregon State. And Oregon State has a game with Washington coming up this week. And then, of course, they close with the Ducks. So Jonathan Smith with the two losses. And, look, this is a good, solid Oregon State team. Going to be a lot of fun. But you mentioned Iungalele, uh, his brother, of course, quarterbacking for those uh, Beavers. He's a good quarterback. He's just an athlete. The whole family is. And I got so much respect for Oregon State because years ago when Jonathan Smith was a quarterback at Oregon State, they beat the Ducks and, and made it tough on Oregon several times. And I didn't like Jonathan Smith. I didn't like him at all. I mean, he was a beaver, and he was a good one. Uh, but I have so much respect for him right now. I love the guy. I think what he's done has been tremendous. And there, I think in my mind, Oregon State is probably the most dangerous team in the Pac-12, um, and I know Oregon's really good. Washington's really good. Utah's got the defense. USC has been there, but Oregon State has got the talent. They got a quarterback, and they got one of the best coaches in the conference. So, I know that game's coming up. I can't remember who we play the Beavers because we got a game next week against, or this week, I guess, against Arizona State. That's all I'm focusing on now. You think I've been coached or not? <laughs> there you go. Good stuff. And of course, that run game with Martinez and Fenwick is through the roof as far as the Beavers. Yes, they may be the most. The, as we we said at the beginning, probably the best balanced team when you look at you know guys returning and and potential skill position players. But now we've seen the season roll down, and we know how good this Oregon team is. But there is no room for error, Jerry, because very rarely will a team lose twice and make it. So Coach Lanning will have to make sure his guys are focused, and he's done that throughout the year. Again, the one heartbreak loss uh, to Washington, a game that. You know, most people that watch the game thought they should have won, but they know they have no margin for error. Tell me a little bit about Dan Lanning, because the guy that I see in the locker room talking to his players and getting their attention is a guy that I would have loved to play for. Well, he's he's a young coach, and he and I think in a way that's that's what gives him somewhat of advantage. Although there are a lot of young coaches out there now, but I, I think his players identify with him. I think I think he. He feels like he's one of them, and they feel like he is one of them. 
Uh, he's a very detailed coach, and he is a fiery coach, energy coach. And they believe in him. And I think that's why it's been so easy for these guys to focus week to week and not look beyond because he's coached in that way. I mean, he's got a lot of the staff, and me included, uh, buying in on that. He's just he's, – he's, he's got that it factor. You, you, you talk about athletes who have that it. Well, he's the coach that has it. And uh, I told him I believe he will be the first coach at the University of Oregon that within the next year or two – this is when he got here last year. I said, Coach, in the next year or two, you will win a national championship for Oregon, and I want to be here when you do. That's how good I think he is. Uh, Jerry Allen, the prognosticator. That's right. When he is done with uh, the voice of the Ducks, which may be never, we'll have him down here and uh, we'll uh, we'll bet some of Roxy Bernstein's Beerstein. That's right. Roxy Bernstein's <laughs> money on the tables here and, uh, and, and some prognosticating there. But, Jerry... You know what? Best of best of fortune to these ducks because they they are fun, and there would be nothing better than to be here in Vegas and see you over there at that Pac-12 championship game at Allegiant Stadium. And I'd like to see you go up against uh, you know Washington. I just because it would give the Ducks to a chance to avenge their only loss, and that game was at Seattle. Very few teams can go there and win. None of them have done it this year, but that is a very tough place to play. And the way that the Ducks played in that second half, I'm sure that's the the way the defense wanted to play throughout the entire game. But I just kind of feel that that's what we're we're heading towards. But we don't know. Like you said, there's plenty of football. And Oregon State, they're in the they're in the middle of both those teams, Washington and Oregon. Be a lot of fun to see how this pans out. We'll see you in Tempe on Saturday, and then we look forward to uh, that final game there in. Eugene at Autzen Stadium against Oregon State, but the old one game at a time. Jerry Allen, continue to do what you do so well. Call those games. Keep those Ducks fans up to date and all those fans that get to listen to you calling all those games. You've been doing it for a long time. How many years now? Uh, this is 37 for me. I feel like an old man. Gosh, <laughs> but that voice still sounds the same that it sounded years ago, and that's what makes you the consummate pro that you are continued success we will talk to you down the line before that pac-12 championship game jerry allen appreciate you god bless my man hey ken thanks for having me on and i hope i see you in vegas we're down to your welcome to come up and see us in the booth there you go great stuff jerry allen the voice of the oregon ducks take a break come back wrap up our number one sports x radio 101.5 fmk dawn we stream live on that odyssey app we'll duck in denver 12 buffalo 8 monday night football about 45 seconds to go before halftime we are live from vegas we'll be right back and you soon Getting the Eagles in one way or the other. Eagles fly, Eagles fly, victory song, whatever he has to do to sneak in the old Eagles. Good stuff there. Halftime. Broncos just kicked a field goal. Lutz, good from 40. Denver, 15. Buffalo, 8. Three turnovers for the Bills. Last one was an interception by Josh Allen. First two, Mark Hoke tells me, weren't his fault. He uh, Russell Wilson does have a touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton. And uh, Denver, surprising Buffalo. Jeez. 15 to 8. Yeah. Wow. How many How many people have teasers tied to Buffalo under a field goal? I know Brad Powers does, 
A lot of people sweating it out right now. Russell Wilson's thrown for 114 and a touchdown at half, right? Nothing to write home about. That's more than Josh Allen's 86 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. My goodness, Latavius Murray on the ground does have 54 yards on six carries for the Bills. Dalton Kincaid, the Vegas kid out of Faith Lutheran, three receptions, 35 yards, and a touchdown. Meanwhile, on the Denver side of things, told you Wilson, he's 12 of 14 for 114 and a touchdown. Rushing that ball, Javante Williams has 12 carries, 43 yards. Russell Wilson's rushed for 22 himself. Uh, Sutton with four receptions, 47 yards, and the touchdown. And uh, that is it, 15-8 at the half right now. Uh, Buffalo in a little bit of trouble. And, Mark, I was telling you, you know, off air, this is not the same Buffalo team that we saw a few years ago, like one play away from the Super Bowl. They, to me, have regressed big time. I just don't I don't fear Buffalo like I, I did years ago, especially when you're going to Buffalo. It used to be a foregone conclusion. Monday Night Football, you're going there a couple of years. You're going to get pummeled, man, if you're just a mediocre or less than – 500 team like Denver Broncos limp in at three and five you would think this would be a blowout no a lot of people thought that but right now Buffalo struggling mightily yeah I can't you know I know Milano's out on the defensive side but I I can't figure out what's going on with them I don't know if it's just the you know the wide receiving core isn't quite what it used to be or you know not you know they could really use some help in the running game but you know I just think Josh Allen is just continues to have feel like he tries to do too much. You know, it, it, it's he he it, for some reason on this team over the last year or two that he's just tried to force things, he's tried to be the one to make a play then when I think he's got to trust his teammates a little bit more, maybe he doesn't. Well, know? here's here's what I'm saying is I think because they don't want him to risk getting hurt that they really tie his hands. So when you look at halftime, Josh Allen rushing, one carry for one yard. That is not Josh Allen football. I get it. You don't want him to duck the shoulder and take on a linebacker all the time, head, head you know, one-on-one, mano-on-mano. Not that he doesn't win those battles sometimes because he's a big boy and he's coming at you. He's gaining speed. But you don't want to risk him going down. You know your postseason's going down the drain with him. You're nine games in on a 17-game season but now you're starting to lose ground, and if you lose this game tonight, you're five and five. You got the same record as the Raiders. Now they did beat the Raiders, so uh, they would have a tiebreaker there. But I'm saying you're seeing this team decline and struggle. They are four and one at home, but away from home, this team's struggling mightily, just one and three. So a lot of question marks with Buffalo. I'm somebody that would say, you know what? Whether you're Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, uh, Josh Allen, you know, running the ball is part of your game. You can't be afraid to get hurt. If you play and you're afraid, you're going to get hurt anyway because you're going to be too careful. And we see that a lot of times where guys are trying to be too careful and they end up doing something that's not conventional and they end up getting hurt that way. I understand you want them to lessen the amount of chances of getting hurt. But one carry for one yard... I'm sorry, that's not Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen football. This guy needs to have 50 yards rushing per game or somewhere at least 30 to 50 yards rushing per game for me to feel, if I look at a box score, that they had an opportunity to win that game. Well, this is the quandary of modern football, is that everybody wants that quarterback that's going to run, right? You know, once teams got success with it, running the RPOs, you know, Philadelphia did a great job with it with Carson Wentz. 
but then you start to realize that you're turning you're turning quarterbacks into running backs. And we all know the durability and the length of careers of the average running back. They don't last. It's like they're running into garage doors every time they take a hit. You know, at 30 miles an hour. It's it's brutal. And so you want that guy that can run, you know, like a Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or or Josh Allen, but at the same time, after a while you realize you know, I'm beating my quarterback up. What do I do? You know, I get, I mean, as an Eagles fan, I, I get scared about Jalen Hurts running all the time because I don't want him to get hurt, you know? But, I mean, the running is part of the game, but at the same time, it's like, you know, do you really want him taking all those hits? I think I think that maybe you're going to have to start realizing that quarterbacks aren't going to play 15 years like they used to. You may only get eight years out of a guy. Because of the way the modern game is. That's why, like a Joe Burrow, for example, a guy that doesn't run, you know, I think is going to, could last in the league for 15, 20 years. But a lot of these guys can, it's changed. It's no, changed. It, you have to, you, it's a risk reward. I, it, it's changed, but I'm talking about being an opportunistic runner. So when you think back to Aaron Rodgers, right? And Aaron Rodgers only won one Super Bowl, but still, what made Rodgers dangerous what made ben roethlisberger dangerous these guys yes they're solid passers they can stand back in the pocket as well as anybody but it would be that 115 18 19 yard run in the second half when everybody's covered and these guys have speed good enough pick and choose your spots don't be to where you are you're muzzled to where you can't run the ball and so for somebody like josh allen i get it cut down on taking on the linebackers or the defensive linemen when you're coming down and you're running. They've made the rule to where you can run and slide, and they can't touch you or they're not supposed to touch you. You get outside the tackle box, you give yourself a run-pass option, you use the sideline as your friend, you put the ball in the arm that's closest to that sideline, and you get close to out of bounds. You've got to be diversified if you're somebody like Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. It's part of your game. It's part of what makes you who you are, a dangerous quarterback. If you're just going to be standing back there, pocket passer, you're going to be good sometimes, but you're not going to be good all the times because you're worried too much that all I can do is pass. I don't want to run. I'm scared. Forget it. Scared money never wins. Scared quarterbacks don't win either and you've got to mix things up. All right, that'll do it for our number one SportsX Radio. Before we go to break and halfway home, remember, Dr. John Pierce has something sacred here in the Vegas Valley, and that's the Preventative Diagnostic Center, talking about the only scanner of its kind in the region that gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease, pdcenterlv.com. That's the website. Go check out the scanner. Give a call now. Leave your name and number. They will get back to you and set up that free educational consultation. You make sure you tell them Ken Thompson SportsX Radio sent you. You know the 702 area code for Vegas, 534-7900, 534-7900, Comfortable scan takes a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. The heart CT scan and calcium score special continues to run. $125 for a $600 value. Your significant other absolutely free. The two of you get in there for $1,200. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534-7900. Hour number one is in the books. Ken Thompson, producer Mark Oak. Plenty to talk about. College football, NFL, you name it. It's going on. Get you those college basketball scores. Live from Vegas. We'll be right back.
Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 7 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. All right, KT back live, PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. Panache, Boyle, Ravaputi, best in personal injury, Vegas for a long time. Now, or I should say SoCal for a long time, Vegas. Now you're number four. And I give you that number out at the beginning of the show, the 702 area code 830-9353, the best in personal injury. Right now, uh, third quarter just underway. Denver has the kickoff and a 15-8 lead at Buffalo. Remember, a Bills loss, they would slip to 5-5. Five and five. Denver would up their record to four and five, and they'd be tied with the Chargers in third place there in the AFC West. Now, Kansas City comfortably in front, but the Raiders passing the old Chargers yesterday with that win over the Jets. We're going to get into NFL football and college football throughout this hour, but I am going to update the scores before I do that to get you all caught up on everything going on as far as in the world of sports on this big show Monday so we gave you the 15-8 score. Again, 14 minutes to go, third quarter. Total in that game was 47.5 Westgate Superbook, and the Bills closed as a 7.5-point favorite, down from 9 the opener. And again, a lot of people teasing Buffalo, getting them down under the field goal. And uh, that's the second leg of a teaser for a lot of people, so a lot of money. Sportsbooks will be very happy if the Denver Broncos take care of business, and win this game outright. So we'll keep an eye on that game. NBA, four games on the hardwood, one yet to go. Come up in just a little bit. It'll be the uh, Cavs at the Kings in Sacktown. Sacramento favored minus one total, 229. Two of the other three are over. Knicks had a lead in the first half up in Beantown. That's about all they have the lead for against the Celtics. 114 to 98 Boston disposes of the Knicks minus nine and a half. No problem there. 220 and a half. Your total game stays under that total. And the Raptors, what a rally they had because they were getting beat up pretty good by the Wizards at home in Toronto. And the Raptors do come back and win the game. They don't cover, but they win at 111 to 107. Game stays well under the 231. And the Raptors do not cover that eight and a half as the Wizards get the money. Meanwhile, on the college hardwood, Michigan. Tell you what, trying to take a little pressure off the football team as far as in the news with all the stuff going on there on the uh, sign stealing. Well, Michigan basketball off to a good solid start. Remember, Juwan Howard not there uh, because of the surgery. At St. John's taking on, that's right, Rick Pitino and the Johnnies. The Johnnies three-and-a-half-point favorites at the Westgate. Michigan buries St. John's 89-73. to Total in the game, 155 and a half game goes over, hits 162, 89-73, a 16-point win for the Wolverines. Meanwhile, UMass at home, they beat Quinnipiac, 102-81, game flies over, and a cover there for the Minutemen. That is who's alma mater? That's right, Dr. J, Julius Irving. 85-63, Duquesne over Stony Brook, win cover, game stays 
Well, it does get over. It hits 148. Total was 146. South Carolina over VMI, 74-64. They get the win, not a cover, not even close, and the game stays well under the total. Florida State, no problem, 94-67. Beat up on the Chippewas of Central Michigan by 27. They're laying 20.5 to get the win, the cover. The game goes over the 154. Butler beat East Tennessee State, 81-47. Win in a cover. Game stays under the total. And Andy Isco's alma mater. Get the win there, baby. I'm telling you. Teams from Philly all battling. How about Pennsylvania, the Quakers? 12-point dogs against Villanova, and they beat the Cats. Oh, SportsX Michelle will not be happy. My nephew, Steph, not happy. Campers there, big Nova fans. Howie Long, not happy. His alma mater goes down. Give it to the Penn Quakers, 76-72. Nice little money line parlay there, or payoff, I should say, there. 141.5 was your total, so you could have the parlay if you bet Penn and the over. Penn on the money line in the over. That'd be fat. Maybe Isco had that. 76-72, the final. Quakers get the win. Total was 141.5. Game goes over. Miami beat Florida International, 86-80. That game gets over by one point or maybe a half point. Now, there were a couple places it was 166.5. So it just depends when and where you play these things and uh, which way you go. But that game, 86-80, Miami wins. Doesn't come close to covering the 23 against the Panthers. 66-64, Western Carolina wins at Middle Tennessee State as four-and-a-half-point dogs. Game stays under the total. Missouri State, they uh, take out Oral Roberts, 84-69, cover the six in a game that also gets over the total. Missouri has just beat SIU Edwardsville by 18. The line, 18-and-a-half. And Missouri was up by 25 before. So, again, one of those backdoor covers, Edwardsville by the hook. Gets the money. Game staying well under the 155.5. Nebraska beat Ryder by 14. What was the line? 14.5. Another one. You get burned by the hook if you took the favorite. If you had the underdog in both those games, good for you. 64-50, to 50, the final. Another game staying well under the total. Kansas State buries South Dakota State. 91-68 Jackrabbits. Not as good on the hardwood this year, but they are unblemished. And the only undefeated team in the top 25 as far as uh, FCS football. Nobody else undefeated but those Jackrabbits. In fact, hoax team, the North Dakota State Bison, they're back in the top 10. They're number nine with three freaking losses. My goodness, South Dakota State. I see back-to-back championships. I think they're going to pull a Georgia. We'll wait and see. Arkansas, 86-77. They beat ODU. Win, not a cover. Game flies over the total. Purdue only beat Xavier or lead Xavier by eight. This is not a good Xavier team. And now it's back up to 13. So 65-52, 9-15 to go in West Lafayette. Purdue, 17.5-point favorite in this game, 151. Your total tied at 44 at half in El Paso. UC Santa Barbara, the Gauchos, and the Miners of UTEP, 44 apiece. Just underway, Cal State Bakersfield at Haas Pavilion taking on the Cal Berkeley Bears. 18-15 to go. Nobody has even scored yet. Move on down. Had some other uh, good, solid games as far as the add-on board, but... Uh, Nothing that I want to write home about outside of Southern, the team that beat UNLV in their opener. They're getting pasted by Arizona, 97-59. to Yes, the same Wildcats team that beat Duke at Cameron just a few days ago. That is a good Arizona team. And Tommy Lloyd doing a nice job there. Two games on the ice, 1-1 Islanders. Edmonton from Alberta, 5-15 to go second period. And just underway, they just dropped the puck up in the great Northwest. In Seattle, the Kraken at home against the Colorado Avalanche. We'll keep an eye on that one. The abs went off minus 155. 6.5 is your total. And we've got Thursday night football tomorrow. Maction. I'll get into those lines before we get out of here. But uh, let me bring in my producer, Mark Hoke. And let's go and talk a little NFL football. Your uh, birds were off this week, but still plenty of games. 
And uh, the Bills actually have the ball back now with 12 minutes to go, trailing 15-8. to eight. But let's go to some of the other games, and let's jump right at it, Mark Hoke, with the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud. What an effort against the Bengals. His team never quits. And somebody, a very happy camper, that did a four-team oh. parlay in Florida at the uh, Seminole Casino there. Uh, it's actually a hard rock over there, uh, right there oh, in Florida. My bu- it was my buddies at the hard rock. Really? I did a lot of poker reporting at the Seminole Hard Rock. And they just yeah, place. they just reopened this uh sports book. <laughs> and they're probably wishing they didn't. Oh, but no. a beneficiary somebody first off, if you have $500,000 to put on a parlay, Jesus. you've got money. But that 500,000 on this four-teamer here, and it's not a four-teamer, it's uh four different things, uh four different legs to the same game. And so it was the Texans-Bengals game, and here are the four legs. Houston had to beat Cincinnati outright. The game had to go over 44.5 points between the two teams. And then running back Devin Singletary had to score a touchdown, which he did, and go over 51.5 yards. He ended up with 150. So that one four-team or four-leg parlay ends up paying $5.5 million, Mr. Hoke. Yes, and, and Singletary, just that was his first start. He hadn't played. That's crazy. I mean, seriously, dude. I mean, congratulations. But, you know, normally when we say Florida man does something, it's bad. But this was amazing, that unreal. But, uh, yeah, finished it off. You know, the points were settled early, and Singletary obviously went off. So, yeah, what a party party down at Seminole Hard Rock. And I, I, think- I hope the guy stayed at Hard Rock and partied up a little bit. Well, here's the thing. I think it could have been the same guy that lost his butt. On Thursday night, Thursday or even earlier in the week on Wednesday, it was Bowling Green against Kent State, and this better bet one point one million what? on Kent State plus ten and a half, a one in eight team, and they got buried forty nine nineteen. They're the worst team in the country, Ken. He also had oh. three. He also put four hundred twenty six thousand on Kent State money line at plus three twenty five. Oh. So he literally <laughs> lost one and a half million. Well, I guess that, that, I believe it's, it's the same guy that it, came back. Yeah, if it's him, he got uh, it back. Congrats. Yeah, yeah, got it back and then some. They probably thought when that bet was made, like, who is this guy just donating to our casino? This is great. And lo and behold, comes away with the five point five million after losing one point five. You know, I, I, it would be fun. You know, I know we always talk the games with Art, but I would love to talk to Art to Caesar about what happens when you have bets like that coming in. You know, and the liability the casino has and so on and, you know, the difficulty yep. of, you know, because obviously I have the right to refuse a bet. I mean, you know, do you, when you see something like that betting on Kent State and you say, wow, that's still a million dollars, man. I don't know if we should do it or not. But, well, that's and that's know? what he does. He's he's risk management. He's right. a supervisor in risk management. So you know, he may join us Friday. He can't come on Wednesday. He's going to try and pop on Friday. But, yeah, that is uh, that is definitely something that, you know, right there – you kind of know you have parameters laid out on, you know, something as far as how much we can take on any one game, whether it's an NFL game, uh, uh, you know, and, and the NFL lines are tighter than most, but college football. And when it's a smaller school like a Kent State, all of a sudden you're like, all right, what's going on here? You're right. Uh, what's going on? We've got to make sure that there's no inside stuff. And so you're doing your homework before you take that bet. Uh, but, yeah, anything that's up over six figures – you know, up over a hundred thousand. Really, got to be careful. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and taking this bet with Devin Singletary, I mean, it, how would you, if, if, if I was looking at that and say, no, the guy hasn't even played, he's not going to get, fine, do it, book it, you know, and barely blink an eye and, you know, look what happened. That's I mean, where you, that's where you're thinking like, Man, I'm wondering if, the, if that's Singletary's family, like, making that bet that, yeah. that knew that the coach said, hey, look, you're going to be our workhorse tonight. We're going to work you hard. We're going to give you the ball 25 times, whatever. But he ends up with 150 yards. But congratulations. Yeah, that's uh, pretty amazing when you see that type of money, first off, being wagered, and then when it comes in on something like a four-leg parlay. Absolutely ridiculous. Meanwhile, Hoekster and I, we're just trying to grind it out like our buddy C. Wynn, who's listening over there at the Venetian Palazzo. And I know he is friends with Anderson Hunt and a very happy man, Chris Wynn, is that uh, his friend Anderson Hunt got his number raised to the rafters there, number 12 at halftime of the Stetson UNLV game, which the running Rebs go on to win by 16, 15 or 16. Uh, Let's move on down as far as the football. They started in Germany. And I'm telling you, I mean, it's a good thing they're used to low-scoring soccer games over there because 10-6, to 6, Colts and Patriots, I mean, an ugly game. Sometimes you're like, is this really worth it to get up early and watch this crap? I mean, I get it, Kansas City and Miami, because you know those are two of the top teams in the AFC. But the way that New England's playing, and Mac oh. Jones ended up getting benched uh, in the, I think, the third quarter or late late third quarter or fourth quarter, but both teams. I mean, Minshew, 194, no touchdowns and interception. Jonathan Taylor had 69 yards on the ground and a touchdown, but it took him 23 freaking carries to get it. I mean, unreal. Uh, Buffalo, Ramondre Stevenson, 20 carries for 88 yards. Uh, New England actually outgained the Colts by over 100 yards, but lose the game 10-6. to 6. The Colts are 5-5, five and five, Ken. As, as much of a train wreck as that team would seem like on paper right now without Anthony Richardson. They're five and five. They're in this thing. Now, I don't realistically think they're a playoff team, but wow. And the other, you know, and on the other side, boy, does anybody want to draft an Alabama quarterback ever again? I mean, seriously. Well, and, and and I don't want to tear down Bryce Young yet because obviously he's got. Don't tear down Tua. He's got. He's got. Don't tear down around. Tua yet. What are you doing? Miami's got the best offense in football right now. You got to be. You got to be careful with you. everybody. Tua is probably the one exception to the rule at this point. But man, I mean, and and I and I do feel like I said I feel bad for Young because they're just Carolina's terrible. I mean, he he might as well be back playing in Alabama. He might have a better team. Yeah, not not good. Uh, Texans though in that game against the Bengals, thirty to twenty seven. A lot of folks thought, including myself, after Joe Burrow came off that solid performance last week, they're at home. Yes, they're down a receiver. They're a little bit banged up, but nonetheless, they should take care of business. They got that first touchdown right away, that first drive. And then the Texans really played a better game. I mean, in Stroud, coming off 470 yards passing, throws for another 356, a touchdown, did have an interception. But I'm telling you, Houston putting up over 500 yards of offense. Crazy. Is, yeah, all of Crazy. a sudden the Texans are sitting at 5-4. Five and four. You talked about the Colts at 5-5. Five and five. Tennessee in last place in the AFC South. And then Sunshine and the guys, they got blown off the oh. ball big time over there as the Niners, 34-3, to three, beat up on the Jaguars. And that's the difference with San Francisco. Offensively, when they have Debo Samuel in the lineup, they are very good. Purdy is very good. 
when he does not have Samuel in the lineup, he has struggled mightily. He threw for 296, three touchdowns. More importantly, the average per pass, 11.4. You have not seen that from Brock Purdy before and uh, came in and did a good job. Now, Christian McCaffrey, a rarity, did not get a touchdown, did have 95 on the ground and 16 carries, nearly six yards a carry, and six receptions for 47, nearly eight a carry, uh, or eight a catch, I should say, but no touchdowns. Kittle. Big game, had the 66-yard touchdown, three receptions, 116 in a TD. And Brandon Ayuk, also a TD, had three receptions, 455. Samuel, four receptions for 30, and then uh, three carries for 29, and hit pay dirt there. That team, when they have Debo Samuel, is diversified. They have moving pieces more so with guys in motion. And then defensively, they just step up. It's just what they do. They had five sacks, four tackles for a loss. But anytime you get... You know, Nick Bosa, and now you have Chase Young there. Now, Young only had the one tackle, but it was a half a sack. He'll take it. Also had a couple quarterback hits. Just a matter of time before Chase Young becomes a big-time asset for that Niners defensive line, Mark. And looking ahead with the Eagles and the Niners, which, you know, I think you and I would agree they're the top two teams in the NFC for sure, if not no in question. football. No, yeah, in the NFC for sure. Boy, I'll tell you what, what a showdown this is going to be with the Eagles O-line against San Francisco's D-line, and now you know Samuel's back. And, you know of course, the Eagles got Bayard to beef up the secondary. You're going to have that wide receiving core going against that Eagles secondary. Damn, what a game. And it's probably going to be two games. I'm just going to call it right now. But what a game that's going to be, Ken. Wow. Wow. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. San Francisco back on track after dropping three in a row. They go to six and three. And meanwhile, the Bengals dropped to five and four. A lot of people, like I said, thought they had everything together. And Joe Burrow's calf, not a problem. Wasn't a problem yesterday. He did have one nice run, but uh, gosh, give the Texans credit. C.J. Stroud, I mean, you go back to like his first two games, he looks like a totally different quarterback. He really looks composed. Well, and that's the way he was at Ohio State. I mean, you know... I, I don't blame Carolina for taking Young over him, but I felt like Stroud was a better quarterback and was going to be, you know, we'll, we'll see if it holds up because it's, you know, we're only halfway through a season. But CJ Stroud just was, seemed like something really special. And, you know, I, and as much as I hated watching him play at Ohio State and beat up on Penn State, just had all the talent in the world. And, uh, you know, it looks like he's carrying it over. And, you know, this Houston team went from garbage to, no, I don't want to say playoff team yet, but Ken, they're knocking on the door. They are for sure. Another team knocking on the door that was thrown for dead, especially when they lost their starting quarterback, the Minnesota Vikings. They win again. They go to six and four. Joshua Dobbs, who they got from Arizona and was basically holding a clipboard, didn't even know guys' names, ended up getting forced into the game last week when Jaron Hall went down, the rookie out of BYU. They end up winning that game right around with a minute to go. He had a couple touchdown passes. So now, yeah, there's film on him, but Joshua Dobbs does not disappoint. And Minnesota, they knock off New Orleans big time, 27-19 to in the final. Derek Carr went down in the second quarter, uh, missed the game. They're hoping he'll come back after the bye, but uh, 27-19. to Now, Jameis Winston did throw a couple touchdowns in relief of Carr. He threw a couple interceptions as well, and that's what you get with Jameis Winston. He's a gunslinger, and he's going to throw it up. He had 122 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions, a lot of safe passes, under five yards per completion. 
Uh, Kamara on the ground, nine carries for 42. He received seven for 33. Uh, Chris Olave made a beautiful touchdown catch in the end zone, one of the best I've seen. A.T. Perry, uh, two catches and a touchdown as well there for New Orleans. Meanwhile, for Minnesota, Ty Chandler on the ground, 45. Dobbs rushed for 44 and a touchdown. So he threw for 268 and a touchdown, no interceptions, only was sacked once. And T.J. Hawkinson, he got tattooed pretty good. He was hurting, but he had 11 receptions for 134 and a touchdown. Jordan Addison, 4 for 69. What's your take on the Vikings? Because this is surprising with Cousins going down, how well they've played with Joshua Dobbs. You know, I like this Minnesota team better than I liked the last year's team that went one thirteen games. They just, this team, as opposed to last year where it just seemed like they were just getting every lucky break they possibly could, these guys are earning it this year. And and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this right now, Ken. I think other than deciding who wins the AFC South, I think the playoffs are about set in the NFC. I really do. And I think the Vikings are in. They look good enough to me. And if you start seeing, looking at the teams that are behind them, you know, there's, there's nobody there. You know, there's nobody there. You, you're going to get somebody to come out of the AFC South, but Seattle, Minnesota, Dallas, look like your wild cards. Philly, San Fran, Detroit, win in their divisions. I mean, I don't see anybody else breaking past these teams unless yeah, maybe Minnesota or Seattle falls apart. So, yeah, I, I like them. I mean, they're, they're playing good, gutsy football. There you go. Meanwhile, Buffalo, long pass to Shakir, has them set up now inside the red zone on Denver. They have a second and six at the Denver 14. 15-8 Broncos lead at 8-15 to go third quarter from Buffalo, the game that's rolling right now. We keep things rolling, talk some more NFL football. We're going to get to college football as well. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM Dawn. We stream live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Mark Hoke, real quick, your uh, professional wrestling show, how did it go yesterday, and what do you got going on this week? What's going on in the world of professional wrestling? Because there's always something, and you follow all these circuits. You know, Ken, if you want to hear David Difference and I be working on about two or three hours sleep on a show this weekend, you better be ready because he and I are going down to L.A. We're going to uh, the AEW Full Gear pay-per-view on Saturday. We're going down Friday, cover Collision, the, the usual Saturday show, pay-per-view on Saturday, and after it's over and I flame MJF this time around, and I will flame him, we're driving back. And we've got a show at 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we also have a very special guest, one of the top indie women wrestlers on the circuit right now. Brittany Brooks is going to be on the show with us. Plus, we'll be recapping our live experience in full gear. It's going to be fun. There you go. Can't wait for a little soundbite from my good pal, MJF. Vortex yeah. Radio, baby. We're rocking and rolling here. Hour number two on a big show Monday. Ken Thompson, producer Mark Hoke. We'll be right back. We'll keep things rolling. Something magic happens. Every time you go, you make the magic happen. The magic of Orioles baseball when the game is close and the O's are hot. There's a thundering roar from 34 to give it all they got. And you never know who's going to hear the call. All right, I know it's 
not baseball season any longer, and you're wondering why the hell are we playing the Orioles' magic? Uh, well, because it's Mark Hoke, it's Mark Hoke controls yeah. the you know the music. I mean, I he's spinning the, the hits. But uh, we have our two rookies of the year: Corbin Carroll, Arizona Diamondbacks in the National League, and Mark Hoke, who won the American League. Gunnar Henderson, baby. There you go. Cash that ticket like I told you to play. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't get the hardwood as far as the team. You might as well take the individual honors while you can. Yeah, but I'll tell you one thing that's fascinating to me about this, Ken. Both guys unanimous. Unanimous. Both leagues. I I, I don't remember when that happened before. That is crazy. But, yeah, Gunner and uh, Connor got all the first place votes. Yeah, and Cal Ripken Jr. was the one to announce it, which is awesome. So... Uh, good stuff. Uh, in fact, your guy came in no, second. Wait, in fact, he announced he, uh, Cal Ripken announcing Gunnar Henderson as AL Rookie of the Year. Yeah, so that is pretty impressive, right there. And I'm just wondering, Gunnar Henderson, the ceiling is pretty high for this guy because he got off to a horrendous start, right? He did. Yep. I mean, really bad. Like, you're looking like going, God, maybe this guy needs to just go back and just relax for a little bit. Well, you know what? He was as focused as anybody the last two-thirds of the season. He ended up fifth in war, and I didn't realize he was that high on that. I mean, that's pretty darn impressive. He, I don't know if he'll get any MVP votes. He might get some, like, third or fourth place votes or something like that. But, yeah, pretty uh, – Pretty impressive, by the way. And Ken, your guy uh, in the National League, Kodai Senga, huh? He was second. See, yeah, well, the, you know? one of the bright spots the Mets had. Yeah, well, you need that for sure. But I need about seven more of those guys. Yeah, I, I was a little surprised. Um, I know, you know, Tanner Bibby had a great year with the Guardians, but I was I was a little surprised in the AL. Josh Young, you know, finished fourth. I thought he'd be a little higher. And um, Matsutaka Yoshida, the Japanese import for the Red Sox, I thought he'd be higher too. So. Well, a little interesting voting, but no doubt at the top, baby. There you go. Meanwhile, I did get Brad Powers in the uh, NFL game that we bet. I took the Steelers, gave him the three, and uh, they beat the Packers 23-19. to It was actually three and a half, and they won by four. So oh. right there, can't cut, can't cut it any closer Why than that. Why are you so cool? <laughs> Listen, Jordan Love actually played a pretty good game through for 289, two touchdowns, but two interceptions. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh, Warren, I like this kid, Warren, had 101 on the ground. Who needs Najee Harris? Uh, Jalen Warren, a fun guy to watch. Uh, also, uh, Pickett only threw for 126 and no touchdowns. Only got sacked once. Both guys got sacked once. A.J. Dillon on the ground, 70 yards on the ground, 35 for Aaron Jones, but Green Bay settling for field goals. And then that second Love interception right there at the end of the game, right by the goal line. And uh, that, another loss for Green Bay, who dropped to 3-6, and six, and the Steelers find a way to go 6-3. and three. It's a team that has scored less points than their opponents, but somehow sitting at 6-3. and three. Yeah, it, it, you know, that whole division is just nasty. And Pittsburgh is just, is I think Tomlin finally figured out that it's just time to run the football. You know, we're going we're gonna to have to grind teams out to do it. And, you know, they, I don't know if they'll get over that minus 26 at some point. That's their point differential right now, but pretty impressive there for Pittsburgh to be where they are. I, you know, I wonder, and I was thinking about this, Ken, too, is is Mike Tomlin the best coach of all time? No, not all, not of all time, but he's a well, pretty yeah. good coach. Who, where, I mean, Belichick won, the, Belichick won the Super Bowls, but name he's, he's never had a season under 500, and this team looked like it was going to be you know, mid if, at best. 
And there they go. They're six and three, and they're they're sitting there ready to head to the playoffs. I mean, this guy just it. doesn't lose. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's a he's a very good coach. I'm, uh, that I, I'll say. I'm 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 poking the bear a little bit here with this question to everybody, but yeah, no, you I mean, know, when you got <sighs> guys like Lombardi and, and 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 even Coach Flores, who just went in the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, did it for a long, long time. At a very high level. But, yeah, I mean, Tomlin finds ways to win with less. And that's what, to me, is so impressive about him. There have been just years where he's had no talent on that team. None. And somehow, some way, he finds a way to get it done. You know, well, like when Russell, they, have talent. They, they just don't have maybe skill position talent. So, defensively, when you have somebody like T.J. Watt, that guy is a beast. And right. he helps, you know, that defense take advantage of opposing offenses that struggle on a rookie quarterback in Jordan Love. Well, not rookie, but, I mean, it's his first uh, go-round as a starter. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I, tons of respect for the guy. Tons. No doubt. Meanwhile, KT dead wrong. Got to give some Got to give some props here. I mean, first off to Houston beating Cincinnati. And I said, what would be the, the best two-team teaser? I thought going in to where I have both teams, they just have to win the game at home, Cincinnati. And the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens had a huge lead. They're seventeen nothing out of the gate with seventeen nine by halftime against Cleveland. But it's Deshaun Watson, so I'm thinking, ah, not going to be a problem. Lamar Jackson and company, they'll take care of business. No, Call Cleveland you. comes back and they win it on a last second forty one yarder. Very very impressive. The Browns win it thirty three thirty one, outscoring the Ravens sixteen to seven in the fourth quarter, twenty four to fourteen in the second half. And Cleveland finds themselves six and three within a half game of the Ravens, who were looking to go to eight and two, and most people thought they had it after that first quarter. Yeah, they were up double digits twice in that game and just let it get away. And that's why that's why everybody just when you get excited about Baltimore, you there's a game that just brings you back down to earth. This was it. They they were notorious for that last year. They're doing it again this year. You know, and and it's it's sad to see. I mean, you just I just don't understand why, and especially with a coach like Harbaugh, how do you do that? I just I just don't get it. But you know, kudos to Cleveland, and you know, I as I know, you don't like Deshaun Watson, but if they get some decent play out of him, Ken, they're dangerous. That defense is lights out. Yeah, it was decent play through for two thirteen, a touchdown and an interception. You'll take it. The defense good enough, and Jerome Ford had one hundred seven on the ground. Pretty impressive. Amari Cooper, six catches for 98 yards to lead the way. And Njoko had a five, a six for 58, and he dropped a, a couple passes, too, that were right there, which is uh, not like him. Zay Flowers did have five for 73 to lead Baltimore in receiving. Andrews, two for 44. But Beckham Jr. did have the 40-yard touchdown. It was his only reception of the game. And Baltimore is going to have to do more. So instead of having a nice fat lead on Cleveland, they're only a half game ahead of the Browns who have already had their bye week. Real quick, let's just finish up on uh, the rest of these games. Buccaneers, good solid second half, 7-3 halftime lead, turns into a 20-6 win. Uh, Mayfield threw for 278, two touchdowns and an interception. And I'm impressed uh, with Mike Evans, six receptions, 143, and had a touchdown reception. But you know what, Tampa Bay, they're 4-5. and five. They're not going anywhere. But this Tennessee team, they're in a lot of trouble. Derrick Henry... In this game, let me go to the stats real quick. I eleven carries for twenty four yards. Ouch! Yeah, without without quarterback play, they're not going to get it done. Will Levis came back to earth. They're <laughs> they're dead meat, Ken. 
they are dead meat. But you know, they mentioned Tampa Bay, though. Is there anybody that's had to do more with less than Baker Mayfield over the past few years? I mean, my God, that guy just – if if you would put him on a really good team, that guy, I think he'd win you a Super Bowl. I really do. Falcons and Cardinals, another one came down to the last second. Cardinals get a last second field goal, 25-23. They beat the Falcons at home in the return of Kyler Murray, who was, you know, pretty good for not being around for a while. Threw for 249, no touchdowns but an interception – but he was able to scamper for a touchdown, six carries for 33 yards, and the Cardinals will take it. I mean, they're not playing for, you know, the Caleb Williams sweepstake. They go to 2-8. and eight, They get the win over the Falcons, and all of a sudden Atlanta having trouble. Taylor Heineke went down in that game. Des Ritter had to come in, and, uh, boy, that's just tough go of it. But this Falcons team, I thought they may be a legit contender there in the NFC South, and it's still not over because it is the NFC South. But it's the uh, the Saints, Buccaneers, Falcons, and the Panthers. We're just hoping somebody can at least finish, you know, nine and eight, so they're over five hundred. Yeah, and I think someone will. I think so. But you know, the, the Saints they need to fire Dennis Allen. I mean, that guy is just has a, an abysmal record as a head coach, and that team's got more talent than this. They really do. I I don't understand why the Saints. You know, I don't expect them to be that much better, but especially with the schedule they have, they should be. You know, at least a gamer. You know, at least a game better than this. I mean, it's it's just bad. And and Atlanta, you got you got two bad quarterbacks, Ken, and they're they're not going to go anywhere with that. The Bills uh, have the ball back after a punt, and they just fumbled. Yeah, they did. Wow, they just gave it back up after a long pass play that got them out of their deep in their own territory. And now Denver gets it back at the Buffalo forty-seven. So near the end of the third quarter, minute thirteen to go, and uh, Denver. And Buffalo all tied at 15, keeping an eye on that Monday night football. Ken Thompson, Mark Hoke, let's get to a couple more games and then we'll get out of here for our final break. But my goodness, the Lions Chargers, very entertaining. You like scoring, you got it, 41-38. Lions found a way to get the win. They had a nice size lead early in the first half. Uh, Were they at 24-10 and uh, they led 24-17 at half. Chargers tied it, game went back and forth. Jared Goff threw for 333 and two touchdowns. And good to have David Montgomery back. How about 116 and a touchdown on the ground? And Jameer Gibbs had 14 carries for 77 yards and two touchdowns. Gibbs also had three receptions for 35. So a complete team effort there on offense. And Amon Ross St. Brown, eight catches for 156. Meanwhile, Keenan Allen on the other side had 11 catches for 175 yards for the Chargers and two touchdowns. Very impressive. Eckler uh, did his thing. As far as uh, running the ball, he did get a touchdown on the ground, 19 carries, 67 yards, had four more receptions for 48. And, again, this is a game that the Chargers needed to get, but the Lions do get it, and they go to 7-2, and 4-1, and one, away from the Motor City. First on the Chargers' side, how do you have Bosa and Mack, and you can't get anywhere near Jared Goff the whole game? That's pathetic. And, you know, Staley, they need a new coach. There's another team that needs a new coach very badly. Because they're, they're underachieving. And as for Detroit, Chris Wynn did text us, whining that I'm dissing his Detroit Lions. I'm not dissing your Lions, but they're the third best team in the conference. The one interesting thing for the Lions is their schedule. They go Chicago, Green Bay, at New Orleans, at Chicago, Denver, at Minnesota, at Dallas, Minnesota. So, you know, they're going to end up with a pretty good record. I mean, they, they, they could steal a two-seat away, maybe. Maybe. It'll be close. But you know they're they're a very good team. I mean, you know, for a guy that was telling me that I was that you know they sucked, 
and I shouldn't get excited about him. I told Chris Wynn, get excited. Do it, Chris. It's okay. I would get excited. Remember last year where they went six of their seven of their last eight or something like that, right? Now they've won their seven and two now. So really, Detroit's won you know thirteen of sixteen or something like that. I mean, it's very, very thirteen of seventeen. Some very, very impressive right now. And Lions fans, they're chomping at the bit to get to the postseason where they only have in modern day football one playoff victory. That's terrible. Cowboys forty nine seventeen. Speaking of woeful, the Giants Ugh. the worst. We saw them here get tattooed by the Raiders. They got pummeled by. The Cowboys, 28 nothing at the half, ends up 49-17. Prescott throws for 404 and four touchdowns. Uh, Dowdell on the ground at 79 and a touchdown. And Cooks had 173 and a touchdown receiving. And it was a 1-2 combination because CeeDee Lamb had 11 catches for 151. So you had Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb, two guys, two receivers, 20 receptions, 324 yards and two touchdowns. That is impressive by two guys on the opposite side of the receiving core there for Dak Prescott. Yeah, and they, they left C.D. Lamb in the game late to break a record. And I, I wish I had it next to me, but you know, it was it was something like three straight games with 150 yards and touchdowns and just some nutsy streak. But, yeah, they put C.D. Lamb in to make a late catch. So they got to get a little cocky out there. But, you know, sorry, sorry Cowboys, you're the five seed. Congratulations. Yeah, they'll take it, though, beating up on the Giants anytime they can. Commanders and Seahawks, very good game. Washington's lost some tough ones this year. 29-26, Seahawks get a Myers field goal as uh, time expiring and uh, get that 29-26 win to go to 6-3 and three and keep pace with the San Francisco 49ers. And, of course, the big game on Sunday Night Football. Raiders 16-12 to get the victory, go to 5-5. Five and five. Jets drop to 4-5. and five. Raiders now 4-1 and one at Allegiant Stadium. That is huge. Uh, again, Jacobs on the ground, 27 carries for 116. Take a break, come back, hit the college circuit, get you caught up on the score. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM Don streaming live on the Odyssey app. Do not forget, Dr. Dahlia coming up at 8 o'clock. Yeah. I love her. She is just the best. Now, speaking of Cowboys, she is a big-time Cowboys fan. Oh, she loves no. yeah. Did you have to tell me I that? Know. I love Dahlia. I, I, I know you did. Oh. You did. You, you got to... I, I know. It'll be uh, next time you see her, you'll be like, God, I, I used to be such a fan. <laughs> she is fun, though. Oh, and she, Dahlia. Uh, she, she attacks it all. Uh, Dr. Dahlia show coming up 8, 8 p.m. to uh, 10 p.m. KT's old slot. And, of course, we're going to keep things rolling and wrap things up right after these words on SportsX Radio. Ken Thompson, producer Mark Hoke. Keep it right here, live from Vegas. Yourself. That's right. Every now and then, Christine is mad at me, and she told me to keep my hands to myself. But eh, KT never wanted to really listen to authority. It's gotten him in a lot wow. of trouble throughout the years. But uh, Jesus, oh, yeah. is is what it is, man. I mean, right. got to be, I got to be honest, man. People know me. Most of uh, most of my listeners, they know me throughout the years. And KT walks to the beat of a different drum. <laughs> no doubt about you, it. You're a very lucky man. Yes, I'm very blessed. No question. Hey, by the way, Ken, I, I didn't get to say this to you over the weekend, um, but wanted to thank you because if you don't know out there in SportsX Radio Land, Ken, of course, you know, served in the military. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, Veterans Day is not enough. It should be Veterans Month. 
And I wanted to thank you for your service to our country. It, it means the world to a lot of people out there. I know it's not as popular as it used to be to support the military, but uh, you deserve that. So happy Veterans Day. Thank you. I appreciate that. And Saturday was Veterans Day. I know we celebrated it Friday, but uh, Saturday was a good time. Made it to a Veterans Day parade. Chris Wynn's a veteran. Uh, Chicago Bill out there, another veteran. Both those guys, Army guys. KT uh, Navy guy. And I uh, got some good buddies that are Marines. Noah Parker, my good pal, Semper Fi. And, of course, it was the uh, Marine Corps' birthday on Friday as well. On a sad note, uh, six car, six killed in a car accident in Houston. One of them, former Raiders cornerback D.J. Hayden, just 33 years of age. He was a first-round pick for the Raiders back in 2013 out of the University of Houston. And anytime you see something like that, it is just tragic, really, really tragic. And uh, prayers and and blessings for the Hayden family and anybody else involved in that crash. And, you know, there's accidents and, and death all over uh, the world. But, you know, when it comes to the sports front, I'll keep you updated on most of that stuff. But, again, just 33 years of age, D.J. Hayden, short-circuited life-wise. And that's why Rob Rishi comes on that last Tuesday of every month. And I'll tell you, you never know. So take care of your family. Make sure you have everybody lined up that if you depart, that they're going to be okay, and he's talking about term or whole life uh, insurance policies. And uh, Rob Rishi, listen to the spots, and you can get in touch with Rob and leave a name and number, and uh, he'll get back to you. Make sure you tell him Ken Thompson, SportsX Radio sent you. He's gotten some good uh, people to call in over the years here as a sponsor on SportsX Radio. Only a few minutes left. Uh, I'm going to get into college football big time tomorrow. Uh, but some really fun games. And i got to give Michigan a lot of credit with the win against Penn State. It bums me out. I wanted Hoax Nittany Lions to take care of business. Ohio State, no problem with Michigan State, 38-3. to Expected something like that. Uh, Michigan State's offense, just pretty anemic. Georgia, got to give them credit. This game was tied at 14 with Ole Miss, and they pulled away, and they looked like the best team in the country, at least on Saturday, 52-17. to And I will say this, Alabama looked pretty darn good as well. Thought they'd beat Kentucky, but didn't know they'd dispose of them in a uh, uh, quick fashion. It was 21 nothing out of the gate, 21-7 after 128-7 at halftime, and they cruised to a 49-21 victory. Uh, again, very, very impressive stuff there by Alabama. Milrow uh, doing his thing, throwing three more touchdown passes, and the defense playing pretty well there for Bama. Meanwhile, Oregon did beat USC 36-27. Remember I told you to take the 16 points. I did. And, uh, you know, USC is still going to come out and play. And uh, they stayed within nine. Ducks really didn't do much in the second half. They had a 22-14 to halftime lead. And then it was uh, 29-14 after the third quarter. But you had plus 16, so you were still covering. And uh, SC ends up outscoring the Ducks in the fourth quarter, 13-7. to 36-27 the final. And the game stays under. That's the... Uh, uh, that breaks uh, seven straight USC games that had gone over the total. Texas, very fortunate to come out with the win against TCU. Ewers was good in his return, but not great. 317 and a touchdown through a interception as well. Brooks on the ground at 104-2. and two, But TCU, Sonny Dykes right there. And Texas will take it. They get the victory to stay 9-1, and one, go to 6-1 and one in the Big 12. They will be in that Big 12 championship game. It's just whether or not they're going to be able to uh, stay on skate to have a shot at that postseason playoff. I think if they only have the one loss, I think Texas has a chance, a decent chance to get in there because you know Washington or Oregon are going to lose. Uh, you know, Washington's got to play Oregon State. So if you're a Texas backer, you're hoping, uh, in fact, anybody that's 
uh, fighting to get in that top four is hoping that Oregon State can win back-to-back games because they already have two losses. And if they have back-to-back wins, that would be against Washington and Oregon. That would saddle the Ducks with two losses. And more than likely, you know, with the Washington, they would have to then beat the Beavers in the uh, championship game and then hope some other things go their way. Missouri, very, very impressive. Remember, we talked about Mizzou playing Georgia tougher than anybody the last couple of years. Eli Drinkwitz has a good, solid program. This kid, uh, Cody Schrader, my goodness, on the ground. He is fun to watch. 35 carries, had 205 yards on the ground for the Tigers and a touchdown. Also, he had five receptions for 116. <laughs> this guy's unbelievable. The Cody Schrader show, 36 to 7. They dismantled Tennessee. Tennessee now has to get ready at Knoxville to take on Georgia. So, you know, we're thinking, hey, Tennessee could be a team that will give Georgia a tough test. I don't want any part of them. If they pull it off, it'll be an amazing turnaround from getting whipped 36-7 in Columbia. Brady Cook threw for 275 and a touchdown. And uh, this Missouri team, very, very impressive at 8-2. and two. And, again, just a nine-point loss to Georgia last week but a game that was right there for the taking, one score, and uh, they had an opportunity to win that ball game. Kansas, they lost their quarterback, uh, their second quarterback of the year. Bean went down in the first quarter, and Texas Tech was able to win it uh, with just seconds left, 16-13 to 13 over Kansas. Oklahoma blew out West Virginia. Nice effort there by Dylan Gabriel. Threw for 423 and five touchdowns. Sooners 59-20, to 20, a win and an easy cover over West Virginia. And Jaden Daniels. Got banged up, but hung in there. 372 and three touchdowns. LSU rolled on Florida, 52 to 35. Arizona, nip and tuck with Colorado, but they get the last second field goal. And they go to seven and three. Very impressive, the Wildcats. But I got to give Dion's boys credit. They stayed right in that game. Shador Sanders threw for a couple touchdowns. I did get Brad on this one. Iowa, 22 to nothing, shut out Rutgers. And I went with the over in that game. Couldn't get that one score from Rutgers. Nothing. A goose egg. 22 for Iowa and zero for the boys from Jersey. Now, Brad did get me on Tulsa. Said, I'm going to take Tulsa. Tulane teased me. They had a 14 nothing lead after the first quarter, uh, but it was a nip and tuck game, and Tulane only won 24-22. Crazy game in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, 47-45 overtime game. Double OT, and Carolina knocks off Duke. I'll get to more of this stuff tomorrow. Kansas State, a big-time route of Baylor. No surprise there. That'll do it for us. Uh, The big win, of course, Friday night for UNLV men. We'll talk more about it tomorrow on a Fat Tuesday. Till then, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas Sports X Radio, 101.5 FM K-Dawn. We stream live on that Odyssey app. I'm Ken Thompson for producer Mark Hoke. For my good pal, Jerry Allen, the voice of the Ducks. God bless, folks. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Good night, everybody.